Hello, everyone, and welcome to Topics in Faith, part of the In Faith series of podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Dydek, and this week we're continuing our conversation about laws and our subjection to them. Today, we're looking at examples of God's laws and human laws coinciding as we remind ourselves that not every edict coming from the government is in opposition to God's kingdom. And maybe sometimes we need to obey it, even if we don't like it. More fun like that ahead, so let's get on the road. So as I've said previously, in this and in a couple of other future podcasts, we're going to get kind of as political as I ever want to get on the podcast. And that's still going to be limited to not going policy by policy or politician by politician or party by party and saying yes or no, these people are, you know, Christian or not Christian. I'm not really worried about those sorts of things. That's kind of up to each individual, I feel, to vote for who they choose. That's part of being a citizen of the country. But we're looking at from the perspective of being a citizen of the kingdom of God. What does scripture say? What does God tell us in how to live and act? And can we apply that to our daily lives under the authority of those in positions of power? And so today, as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be looking at the aspect of does God's law and man's law ever coincide? We're not going to be talking about Cole's law because I don't like Cole's law. And as I said in last week's episode, this kind of comes about from a question that came up or a, a, a talk that occurred in one of my church small groups that I was a part of 10 years ago or so that this came up, that are there points where by obeying the law of the government, we are also obeying God's law. And my contention was that yes, and we're going to look at the example I came up with in a few minutes here, but we're going to start with, there's a couple things we need to think about as we approach the topic of law and if Christians are still under law or under grace, as Paul will write about, we'll probably take a look at that um, in one of these episodes here. But we can go we can go all the way back to just the very basic question. Now with grace and with um, the sacrifice that Christ has made, are there still laws in Christianity? Um, we kind of talked about this in the last episode. There's an amount of law that is just a almost like a law of physics kind of thing where there's there's ways that God made the world to work and to not work. Sin has uh, kind of come into that and twisted things around a little bit. But there are definitely uh, realities that God has created and he's created the in out of his out of his nature and we as humans being created in his image. There are still those sorts of things, but are there like laws that God has still handed down? And I think we've seen in some of the various previous episodes, even in previous seasons, yes, there are in ways. So we're going to be getting into that a little bit in this episode as well. But we're going to start our journey today in the book of Matthew in chapter 5. I always start these out like this is supposed to be kind of our guiding verse. This is the verse that, you know, it's going to kind of set us on our course for the episode. We're going to divert from it a bit towards the end, but more on that as we get there. So starting out in Matthew chapter 5. Verses 38 and 39, and then jumping ahead to verse 41, Jesus is speaking. This is the part of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, one of his first addresses to his disciples, at least as Matthew records it. In the middle of that, he says this, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them 
two miles. Now, I want us to remember, if you've not heard this yet, um, there was a law in the Roman world back when Jesus would have been preaching this, that a Roman soldier, if he was journeying from one place to another, could pull anyone aside and have them help him carry his gear, but only for the distance of one mile. That was all that the law required at that point. And Jesus is here saying, if you are told by a Roman soldier to help him carry his gear for one mile, to not only do that, as you were required to, but to then even go a mile further. Now, understand that this this doesn't depend on what you have going on. The soldier is not asking, if you don't mind, please help me carry my stuff for a mile, if you're not busy. It was, he would pull you aside, no matter what you were in the middle of. Didn't matter where you were heading, if you had anything else going on, if you were busy that day, you were required by Roman law to carry his stuff for a mile. And Jesus is saying, not only... Don't resist that. Don't say, well, I'm, you know, I don't recognize your law, so I'm not going to do that for you. He says, not only go one mile, but go two. So you've got to walk two miles out carrying gear and then come two miles back. For most people, that's an hour to two hours, probably closer to two hours of walking. Two hours of your day spent carrying this this guy's stuff. And understand too, at this point in history in, in Israel, They were looking for a Messiah who would deliver them from Roman rule. Okay, so they thought a king was going to come that was going to separate Israel again from Roman oppression, from, you know, a a government that they felt they should not be subject to, but did out of fear or out of just they kind of had to at that point. And they're expecting a Messiah to come and become king and by force reestablish the nation of Israel. And Jesus is very much not doing that. (laughs) Not only are you to do what they tell you, but don't resist them in any way, shape, or form, and actually do more than they ask. And so it was an example of, in our next verse from the book of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 through 28, it says, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who mistreat you. Now, just so we don't miss what this means, when he says, bless those who curse you, bless means to praise or celebrate with praises, and it can mean to cause to prosper. So the people that are your enemies, who hate you, who curse you, and who mistreat you. Because I don't think it was, this is not a one for one. If you consider them an enemy, love them. Yes, you do that. If they hate you, do good to them. But only you only have to bless them if they actually physically curse you. If they if they wish you harm, if they wish you ill, it's like, no. If you consider them an enemy, if they hate you in any way, shape, or form, if they mistreat you in any way, shape, or form, you are to love them, do good to them, bless them, and pray for each of those, you know, regardless. This is not a one-for-one. One. So we are to cause to prosper our enemies, those who hate us, those who curse us, those who mistreat us. And so... <laughs> So the the initial question I I mentioned, does man's law and God's law, and so this is for all intents and purposes a law of God. Jesus says in the in John, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. I believe that's fourteen verse twenty one. He says, if you have my commands, these are his commands. His commands are, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. He says to you who are listening, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. These are the commands of God. And 
as we saw in the example with the Roman soldiers, the law of Rome was that you had to carry their gear for a mile. And God's law of loving your enemies, doing good to those who hate you, blessing those who curse you, and praying for those who mistreat you is to then carry it too. Do more than they ask. In the modern day, if we want to bring it home, and this is where during the conversation with that small group, this this is what I brought up as an example of man's law and God's law coinciding. There's a road nearby where we were meeting, actually, that the speed limit was 35 miles an hour. And at that point, I drove that road a lot. I knew it very well. And I kind of felt in my mind, like, I know this road well enough. Like, yes, 35 is the speed limit, but I kind of know where the blind spots are, where there's hills and, and corners. And I slow down for those in case anyone's there. But otherwise, like, I can exceed that a little bit if I do it intentionally and kind of with knowing where I'm at. And then one day, one of the Sundays, we decided to uh, meet at a friend's house. Our small group met at his house. It was on that road. And so we get there, do our meeting, and we're going to leave. And I'm at the end of the driveway, and I'm about to pull out onto this road. And I'm sitting there and realizing this is a gravel driveway. So I can't just pull out onto the road as fast as I need to. It's it's partway down one of these small rises. And it's like I can barely see or I can't really see over the top of this hill. If someone comes over the top of that hill doing 45 miles an hour, it's going to be trouble. Like I, I cannot pull out of here very quickly. And it suddenly struck me. It's like, oh, that's why I need to do 35 along this road. This is why I need to obey man's law because God has commanded me to love my neighbor as myself. Loving my neighbor in this instance, like it wasn't until I went to the house and tried to leave out of their driveway that I realized personally that this neighbor of mine, quote unquote neighbor, I didn't actually live near them, but I, I was to be a neighbor to them. That was probably a little bit of a scary place to try to pull out for them because they had this gravel driveway. They wouldn't have great traction. And they're trying to pull out onto a road that people speed down because they feel like they know it. And so there's a limit to us being able to know how we should love our neighbors because we have to know their needs in order to do that. If it had been a paved driveway, it would have been no problem in my mind. It still might have been a little bit like, oh, this kind of is not fun, but whatever. I can pull out of here quickly if I need to and get on the road. I can't know what everyone's need is as I move through my life, but I can obey the speed limit. I can obey laws that the government hands down, especially when those laws are in consideration for the people around you. Because as that example kind of showed, I didn't have to know my neighbors. If I just obeyed the speed limit, did 35 or maybe a little bit under on some of those blind turns and those blind hills and things like that, then it would make it a safer place for my neighbors. And they would not have to be concerned about, am I going to get hit? Am I going to get into a car accident? Because I'm just trying to pull out of my driveway to go to the store and get some groceries. So I think many times when we see these laws handed down by governments, instead of being so caught up in, well, I don't like this law or I don't want to do what this law says, love your neighbor a little bit. Now, there can be a bit of a sticking point, And this came up in the past several years. I'm sure it's come up in years before, but in my lifetime, this has come up as a thing that whether or not we obey a law given by the government can kind of boil down to this problem. And it is in order to obey the law, do we aid someone in the commission of their sin? Now, I'm not going to point out the specific law or the specific case because 
this can apply to multiple different laws that Christians felt like they were being told to do something that went against their beliefs. We'll say that. And so what do we do in these cases? Do we aid someone in the commission of their sin? I want to I want to point out a couple things here for us to consider when we ask this question. Because, like I said, situations are going to change in the future. Laws are going to come out differently. Uh, new laws are going to come out. Old laws are going to be done away with. How we you know, approach life in in the U.S., in the world, in various places is going to change. But I think we can approach any any given situation with these several questions to think about. The first verse, you're going to have to kind of follow along with me here. Just kind of keep up a little bit and we'll we'll make our point as we get towards the end. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and some of the other disciples are going to the temple and they heal a man who was lame. He was looking for just money and Peter says, I don't have money, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man walks goes into the temple with them, leaping and jumping for joy, and the people are amazed. And Peter begins to preach the gospel. And speaking of Jesus, in Acts chapter 3, verses 22 and in 26, he says, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Skipping to 26, it says, When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Part of blessing those who curse us blessing our enemies, blessing those who hate us, blessing those who mistreat us, we could see as this, that blessing is turning us from our wicked ways. That is a blessing. To know and come to Christ is the greatest blessing that you can bestow on anyone, okay, and on yourself. Greatest blessing for yourself is to know Christ and to be set free from your sins and turning from your wicked ways. So so we get that, right? That's That's something that Christians, especially in America, seem to have no problem with, is that we want to bless you by by telling you about Christ, or at least telling you that you need to turn from your wicked ways. We get that. But that's not the end of the Bible. So we also need to remember, when we're thinking about that, Romans chapter 8, verse 7 says, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Okay, so we've talked about this before probably a couple different episodes now, I, I kind of bring this point up a lot, is to remember that, first of all, we need to come to Christ first. There are certain laws. There's a quote um, by Martin Luther King. I, I don't remember it verbatim, but basically that, you know, you can't legislate morality, but you can legislate this noose from around my neck or something like that. Until morality comes, just don't kill us. We like to say you can't legislate morality and there's a truth to it, but... You can certainly legislate safety um, in extreme circumstances where it didn't matter if black people were discriminated against or not. You change the law so that it becomes illegal to discriminate and then morality can come later. So there's those elements. But still, beyond that, remembering that as much as we might try to infuse God's law into the law of the land, there's a certain level where those who are, who do not know Christ, who do not know God, there's only so much they can do. And we need to kind of remember that. And then also, even for those who are believers, we can look at Romans chapter 14, verse 6, that says, whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. So this is talking about, the question came up about eating meat sacrificed to idols, that 
there was actually earlier on in the book of Acts, they, there was a group of people that were instructed by the apostles not to eat meat, sacrifice to idols, because various reasons. To In order to get the meat, sometimes you had to go to the temple where it had been sacrificed, and you would see things there that, as a Christian, you should not be viewing anymore. And there's a, a matter of conscience that those who were newer to the faith, who still held some remains of the faith in their old gods, still believed that that meat had been sacrificed to that god. And so to them, it was it was an unclean or an impure thing. They felt like they were involved in something that they were supposed to not be involved in anymore. And so that they were eating this meat that had belonged to another god besides the god of heaven. And so that was that troubled their conscience. So there's instruction around that. If you know the good you're supposed to do and don't do it, that's sin. But also everything that does not proceed from faith is sin. So basically, this this Romans 14 verse 6 is, is kind of talking about that. But it's talking about for some people, eating meat is bad. For some, it's fine. For some people, they need to have a special day set aside. Other people do not. But whatever it is, because it's you know a holiday or it's you know whatever it is, as long as you're doing it, giving thanks to God, as long as you're doing what you're doing for God, then that's that's fine. That's kind of it. Again, we'll we'll get more into detail in this in in a future episode. To really, there's a lot going on here. It's kind of a, a complex thing. I want to devote an entire episode to, but still, this concept again of laws vary by person. So some people need a whole lot of laws. Some people don't need as many. Even within Christianity. Laws are not, God's laws especially, are not necessarily as inflexible as we would like them to be. So what do we do with all this? Okay, so we've got a couple concepts that we're, we're sort of talking about all at the same time here. And this idea of that sometimes by obeying man's law, you're also obeying God's law to love your neighbor as yourself. We saw that with the, the speed limit. The idea of blessing people who don't agree with you. We could say that blessing can mean that we want to cause them to prosper, but it can also mean bringing them to Christ as the ultimate blessing. It's kind of both, but I think sometimes our ideas or ideas within Christianity or within Christians, I guess that, Oh, if you're disobedient to God's law, we need to like punish you or oppress you or hope that your life is, is horrible so that you'll eventually realize your need for God. I don't see that in the verse, especially Jesus instructing about how to handle a Roman soldier. He says, you know, don't make it hard for him for you to carry that stuff a mile. Go with him too. like make his life even easier. And this is someone who, you know, they thought was oppressing them. So all those things, plus this idea of some people see some sort of actions and laws as being very contrary to God's will. And other people say, no, it's actually not that bad. Or it's not as long as you're doing it for God, it's not actually a sin. So you have all these different things. So we take all that, jumble it all up together, and we look at this this question of, do we aid someone in the commission of their sin? So once again, I have, a, I have a couple things to consider when you're thinking about this, is that there's a lot of things that you and I do on a day-to-day basis that could be technically aiding someone in the commission of their sin, even though we aren't aware of it. There's a lot of things that I do that could be taken by others and twisted to aid them in sin. If I go to a store and spend money there, I'm providing that store with money, which they can then use to employ their people. Those people, those employees get paid. They could be doing something with their money that I, in essence, have indirectly provided by going to that store 
and they're going to use that money and go and do things maybe I don't know about. I write my books and I put them out there into the world and I, I try to kind of minimize as much as I can the opportunity for what I write to cause people to fall into sin. But I have no control over that ultimately. I, I don't think there's anything I could write. If there's any sort of conflict in the story, unless I write children's books, if there's any sort of conflict or issue that I want to address and deal with, people are going to be able to twist the words of that book or the scenes or the conflict or take things the wrong way and fall into sin because of it. And I don't have a whole lot of control over that. When I do these podcasts, I'm speaking words and they just go out into the world. Again, can be twisted to various different ways to, to help people to sin. What I want to caution us against is how much we stay willfully ignorant of what sins others might be committing based off of our actions if we don't ask what they're going to do with it. Does that absolve us from, from taking part in it? Then it comes to that question, okay, of if I sell a certain thing and don't know what people are doing with it, am I less culpable than if I sell them this thing knowing what they're going to do with it? If I know there's a possibility they could be using it for this things, but I just don't ask. They don't tell me. I don't ask. Are we less culpable then? Or is it the same? Or are we not culpable either way? Because what someone does with whatever we've provided for them, whatever blessing we've given them, is kind of their their responsibility anyway. That's something we each have to answer. I'm not going to give you the answer here, <laughs> like I said, because it's it's so situation specific. This is something you've got to pray about and consider these scriptures and consider what it was Jesus did with his life. Read the gospels, read the the things he did, the places he went, the people he talked to, and that's one we're going to be getting into in a future episode as well. But I'll leave you with this this thought in this last verse to sort of sum up Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse 10, it says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might for in the realm of the dead, where you're going, there's neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. So I think between the preacher and Paul, what we could say is this, that whatever it is you find to do, whatever your job is, do it unto the Lord and do it with all your might. So we're not going to leave this topic alone. We're going to look at things a couple different angles as well. Try to see if we can come to maybe a better answer. But as I said, it's going to change with the situation. We all have to kind of figure out what to do when and when things come up. So I said more more to come on this. A lot a lot more to come. I'm not gonna, if you're dissatisfied with <laughs> with this, look, don't worry. There's we're going to have more to kind of talk about but we're kind of out of time for this week. So next week we are going to be looking at finding freedom in all circumstances, including laws, because we are not under the law. We are under grace. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to ko-fi that's K O dash F I.com slash Daniel Didek. There's also a link in the show notes where you can go and make a donation Everything we receive there will go straight back into the podcast, either funding the subscription to the server where the episodes will be stored live forever, or in upgrading equipment. One of the things we want to do eventually is move into an actual soundproof studio, so you'll be able to help by donating through that Ko-Fi page. If you want to support me more generally, you can buy my books. Links are available on my website, danieldidek.com, 
And as always, non-financial ways to support are to spread the word about this podcast to your friends and followers. If you've read my books, you can leave reviews and of course, subscribing to the podcast and listening to each episode sure encourages me. And thank you. Until then, keep the faith and keep it fresh. Fresh.